0: Amen. No, 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 Thank you, but the Brit and me gets very awkward at that point with the clapping. Um, hey, do you, Oh, hello, Don. We're doing some sign language. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, family Church, um, it's uh, time for you guys to head through um, if you want to do so. Uh, we'll just pray for you as you go. Father, thank you for what happens next door. Thank you for families. Thank you that we learn so much about who you are just by being in family and seeing families. Um, so we ask that you would bless them in their time next door um, and that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, please. Amen. All righty. Do you want to say hello to someone near you again? Uh, round two, ding, ding. Um, and I'll just get set up for a moment. Thank you. Okay. Hare Mai Tawhitoa. You're welcome, God. I love the layering going on today um, with the fact that God is present. I love the fact that as Christians, God never leaves us, and He's promised that. So in our day to day, He is always with us. I love that when two or three are gathered, there's this sort of extra, almost flavour and dynamic to that. Um, and I love even just thinking about places like Easter Camp, where again, there's just a different vibe. It's the same truth that God is with us, but it's, it's a, um, I don't know, I, I almost don't have words for it. I suppose it's that different flavor that I mentioned. Um, he's moving in different ways and, and affirming and encouraging. Um, and on that, on thinking on that, that God is with us as Christians, as believers, if we invite him in, he's with us wherever we go. I've been praying a prayer recently. And it's, God, please interrupt my day. Please interrupt my day so that I can meet people, share with people, particularly around Jesus, particularly um, if he wants to give me words of knowledge uh, for people, prophetic words. Um, If he just wants me to say hello to someone, um, I've been praying this prayer. God, please interrupt my day. So a few weeks ago, um, I had a meeting at Northland's Mall um, in the afternoon, and I was just, um, I was just—I don't know, what was I doing? I think I was washing dishes or something. And I suddenly just had this moment where I had this sort of familiar feeling. I felt like God was nudging me about something. Um, God is in us. For me, it was, it's when thoughts come to my mind and they've got a specific weight to them. Um, I just know from previous experience that that usually means something's happening, and it's a thread to follow. And what I sensed was that when I went to the mall later that day, there would be someone my height, um, roughly my age, my hair color, um, who needed prayer for healing for their leg. And I was to ask them if they wanted prayer for healing. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, Later that afternoon, I had the meeting, completely forgot about what I heard in the morning. (laughs) And I was walking out of the mall, and I suddenly look up and um, I see this person. I'm sort of heading to the exit that way. They're heading from this way. And it's someone with the same color hair, probably the same age, same height, and they've got a limp. Let's get into some scripture, and I'll come back to that story later, and we'll see how that one went. (laughs) Yeah, that's right, cliffhanger. (laughs) Acts chapter 8, verse 26 to 40 is where we're going to take a look at today. So I think it should be on the screens in a moment. Brilliant, thank you. for his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Ezotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Who wants their day to look like Philip's? What would that look like for us in Christchurch, New Zealand? Who might that involve? Where might that take place? I want my daily life to be interrupted like Philip's was. And I realize that there's some youthful naivety to that. And I'm okay with that. Partly because I don't know what I don't know, so that's all good, but. (laughs) I want my life to be interrupted like Philip's was. Not to earn God's love more. I know I'm already loved by God. Not to do more for the sake of doing more. Definitely don't want to do that. Not as a frenetic, guilt tripped, knee jerk reaction um, of striving either. Instead, I want to embed a new layer of intentionality into my day to day as I aim to live out the great commission that Nat mentioned before with great compassion. It's that day to day that I'm hungering for. And I'm not, by the way, I'm not going to talk about my job probably in this talk because. being the youth pastor here, it's different to most people's jobs, but I, I'm talking about our, our jobs, our supermarket, mall, petrol station, walking, whatever, in the home, just day-to-day ordinary stuff that we all, where, where we all at and what we're all doing. And I know as well, like chatting to some people, there's a, there's a bit of tiredness in the room. There's some people who feel quite tired. Some people are all good, and that's, that's grand. Um, And I believe even more so than when I said this, I think, a few months ago when I was preaching, this is a really, really important time of knowing what to pick up and what to put down in the context of what is Jesus saying to you? What is he nudging you about? What is he whispering to you about? What is he putting in front of you? What is he giving you peace for? What is he giving you lack of peace for? What is he saying as you spend time in his word? Um, This is the stuff I'm asking of myself as well. And I think this precision is always super important, but I think it's particularly important now. Precision from a relational place. Again, not a checklist, not a doing more to earn God's love, but that hearing from God and responding. Anyway, I just want to see the kingdom of God break out in my day-to-day ordinary life. Um, I want to see people encounter God. And it's a very simple message today. And I think it's meant to be simple. Um, It's meant to be accessible. So, looking at this passage, um, there are six things, six key kind of practical steps, principles I just want to highlight and chuck our way. So, we'll take a look at those now. Um, oh, hello, keynote. Um, apologies about the double number one. That should be a two. It uh, wasn't there earlier, I promise. So, the first one, um, disturbed peace. Looking at verses 26 and 27. And on the one hand, God gives us peace, doesn't he? That's one of the great things about following him. But I suppose what I mean by that is our, our, um, <laughs> our sense of peace. Um, you know, oh, I've got my plan for the day. I've got my rhythms. This involves that kind of being flipped on its head at times. Um, and sometimes it's not comfortable. I mean, I look at verses 26 and 27, and I see Philip is first of all called to a desert place. You know, he hears the nudge and go to this place and there's nothing there. I suppose it's a bit like God saying to us, you know, go down um, State Highway 1 and then take a, a right turn after 40 minutes and then go down there for 30 minutes and I'll tell you what to do next. And you're like, okay. <laughs> is anyone actually there? Um, and then secondly, look at the description, particularly in verse 27 of, of the Ethiopian um, eunuch. This, this person is powerful. Um, they're in a chariot. I think, would Philip have been intimidated? I don't know. Maybe he was so fired up he wasn't. But I wonder as well in a deserted place if Philip said the wrong thing to someone in such power. Is that curtains? I don't know. So sometimes it's, it's uncomfortable. Um, but here's the thing. Oh, and a big one for us as well is sometimes it doesn't fit in with our plans. I think that's the biggest one for me. I can sometimes get tunnel visioned in my day-to-day. Um, but we have to remind ourselves that there's nothing more exciting about the adventure of partnering with God in seeing people encounter the Father's heart. We can't lose sight of that. Number two, these are going to be quite quick fire. I know some of you might have thought six when you said six, but they're going to be quite quick fire. Um, take the first steps in faith. Verse 27, Philip rose and went. Verse 30, Philip ran to him. He ran to the eunuch. And here's a quote I'm going to use a few times for the rest of this talk um, by a chap called Alan Scott. The kingdom of God comes as we go. I love it this morning that we can gather, and as we've already talked about, there is such a strong sense of God being here and ministering to us collectively and individually. But as a church, we're called to see the fullness of the kingdom of God come as we go, as we cross the road, as we run to the chariot. We don't always get everything neatly lined up and organized and prepared for the moments we face, as a lot of us, all of us now, I suppose. I think every single person knows that. The kingdom of God comes as we go. Hearing from God, verses 26 and 29. Um, sometimes this will happen before the first steps, um, like Philip had in verse 26. And on the one hand... We don't need to hear from the Lord before we go to work in the morning, necessarily. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's things we know we can crack on with. But it's that attentiveness, which actually I'll touch upon again in a moment, that attentiveness to hearing from God. And there are no shortcuts around hearing from God for following Jesus, as much as we try at times. Um, <laughs> and also, when I say hearing from God, just to clarify um, if that's a new concept to some, um, I'm not literally talking about an audible voice of God, uh, for some, sometimes they've had that, I've never had that, um, but what, what I'm talking about is when we've opened ourselves up to God, or sometimes when we're not even thinking about opening ourselves up to God, it's that, for me, as I said, it's that weight of thoughts in my mind, they just have a different weight, and I've weighed them up, and I've, again, over the years, you just, you just get used to it, um, so that's what I'm talking about, getting used to how God might nudge us um, in our own ways, And with that, hearing from God, one thing I've been thinking about recently is um, making sure I don't try to control that. I think one of the things is we hear a talk like this and we think, right, you know, we get home, we have some lunch, and we're like, right, God, prophetic word, go. (laughs) And we try and lay an egg, and we try and tell God that he's got to give us a word, and we're like, "Mm," you know, rather than, God, you can talk to me whenever you want. You can interrupt my day whenever you want. I'm going to be open to you. I want to listen. And there's nothing wrong about that beautiful, earnest, almost childlike heart of God. Is there anything you want to say to me today? That's cool. But if he doesn't, that's, that's not on you. <laughs> like, we don't have to force him to say something. It's just from that chill position of, like, with the whole mall story, which I'll come back to later, I, I wasn't being super spiritual in that moment. Cool. Number four, being prepared to share. Verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And this, I suppose, is just an encouragement for us to be um, in the Word, to be reading scripture, to be be meditating on it, to be talking about it, to be wrestling with it. It's amazing what um, pops up in our day-to-days that is related to what we've read that day or the previous day or that week. And not just that, but we live in a time where there's so much material out there, isn't there? Like, YouTube is an absolute goldmine. Um, and <laughs> I, like, I just think of one clip in particular which I've really enjoyed, which is Justin Welby, um, the Archbishop of Canterbury in the UK. Um, and he's getting interviewed by a guy called Alistair Campbell, who basically masterminded Tony Blair getting into office. This guy is switched on. He is not particularly um, enamored by the concept of God. Um, and he is a pretty sharp uh, interviewer. And he's putting Welby on the spot. He's going for it, going for it, going for it. And Welby, um, again, in humility, but he just kept bringing it back to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And not in a way that he dodged the questions either. It's an absolute masterpiece, and it's on YouTube. So stuff like that is, is crucial for us as we prepare to share, um, as we think about, well, what would I say if someone came up to me and said, why is there suffering in the world? Where's God in the midst of that? Number five. Expect the supernatural, expect salvation, expect the unexpected. Verses 36 to 38. And some of you sharp-eyed people will notice that in some of your translations, 37 is uh, not there. It's one of those verses which um, a few translations don't um, have because it isn't in a lot of the manuscripts. I did a double take when I noticed that whilst preparing for this and thought I was going stir crazy. I was like, where's the 37? Um, But yeah, it's not there in the ESV. In verse 36, the eunuch initiated getting baptized. I could see myself being pretty surprised if I was in Philip's position at that point. Being like, what, you want to get baptized? Like, are you sure? Um, I wonder if Philip was. I wonder if he wasn't. I suspect he wasn't. And I think I've seen in myself, Like um, one of the things I've been thinking about is um, when I go to the shops, when I'm about in my day, I can quite easily go into kind of la-la land, and I'm just drifting through, and I'm thinking about things, or I'm thinking about work. And um, I think a, a chunky thing for me that I've been thinking about is having expectation, being expectant. That, particularly praying this prayer of God interrupt my day, that God's going to come and interrupt my day. The kingdom comes as we go. Now also, we see healing here. And I love that Mark keeps a log um, about what healings have happened. That's so cool. And every nugget, every moment of healing is is just great. We celebrate that. But man, I want to go after the gold mine. I want to see healings break out. I want to be praying for healing. I used to pray for it heaps when I first became a Christian. I think I shifted more into just being really passionate and Wanting to journey with people and seeing more internal healing. Um, yeah. I'd love to see the gold mine break out even more. And there is an urgency, isn't there, as we know, to the greatest rescue mission as we partner with the love of God for people. It's the biggest rescue mission because what people are safe from and what people are safe for. The kingdom of God comes as we go. Expect the supernatural. Expect salvation and expect the unexpected. And if anyone's here who doesn't know Jesus and is hearing about this mission of um, Christians getting fired up to share Jesus with them, then yeah, that is unashamedly our mission. We're unashamed about Jesus being our hope about Him being our salvation. Man, my life was a mess before he came in. Um, and, And we want to share. How could we not with integrity? Number six, surrender control be okay with not being in control. (laughs) That's a tough one. Philip wasn't, but he was secure in God who was, and he trusted his God. And I think with this as well, um, in terms of the kingdom of God, what is success? And I think for me, success comes down to hearing from God and following him. It's that obedience. And that just I think that cuts through so much striving, so much trying to earn God's love. That's my focus in terms of success. And I think I got asked about that for the job interview here. They said, what would success look like for you? And I just said, following Jesus and being obedient to him, that's all I can do. I can give that my best in the role. I can learn, and, but that's all I can do. And let's be honest, we're going to make mistakes. <laughs> we do make mistakes. Um, praise God for his grace praise God that if if our mistakes are like every boat um, the ocean is his grace in the world and this leads me to the final bonus ball point which isn't on the list I think this is the difference between this being a, a message which is forgotten by Christmas and something which actually we can run with and I think this is the biggest, this is, this is from personal experience. I don't know, maybe you're wired differently to me, but I've really decided to own this. I've really decided to try and get this whole concept of God, please interrupt my day, thinking about these, these six points as well. And I've, I've really tried to mold it, to run with it, to keep hold of it, to, to pick it up when I drop it to think about what does that look like for me, to talk to God about it, to talk with others about it. Owning it. There's a book I've been reading, very dangerous book. Um, This is written by a chap called Alan Scott, um, who was pastor at Causeway Coast Vineyard uh, for a number of years, he's now in America. And I love Alan. He's such a humble guy, um, but he's got such a way with words when he's talking or when he's writing. And in the early uh, years of the last decade, um, it suddenly struck him that, Japers, we're not seeing anyone saved in church. We're not growing. And man, it just hit him like a freight train. And um, God, again, it wasn't out of guilt, condemnation. He knew he was loved. He was just was just suddenly caught in the awareness of the reality of of where the church was at and him and Catherine his wife who who lead the church and uh, or led the church even and the staff team they just went on this relational journey and and journeying with it with God and and eventually they came to the church not from a place of striving but from partnering with the Lord and said we would love to see a 100 people saved this year by us Going out by us recognizing that we are empowered to go out, that we have authority as as Christians, as sons and daughters of God, wherever we go in our day-to-day lives. They layered the the wording and the intentionality. And that year, they saw 104 people saved. Um, And I've been following Alan on Twitter for the last 10 years. And it just kept going and going and going until I think when this was written in about 2014, they were hoping for 1,500 and I think at time of writing, they had 2, 000, over 2,400. And they were seeing classrooms saved. They were seeing people on the streets healed. They were seeing um, kids who just encountered Jesus um, praying for family members with cancer and the cancer just going. They were seeing prophetic evangelism just breaking out. I mean, they, they were just seeing the kingdom of God. I, I read the first chapter of this, and I cried, and I bought six more copies because it was like coming home. It was like, that is who I'm called to be. A carrier of the kingdom of God. And it would look different to all of us, but it's the same principles. And it will look the same in many ways. You know, we're called to love. We're called to, you know, you get the drill. Pray for people. Follow Jesus in that way. I gave Mark Headley a copy of this book a couple of weeks ago, and he comes up to me last Sunday and he says, I've got a bone to pick with you. That book is wrecking me. <laughs> It's such a good book. And even just the way they, they set things up, they did a review of everything they were doing in church. And uh, this blew my mind. And they said, everything. after a while, they, they said, anything which isn't missionally bearing fruit, we're going to stop. And we're going to change. I had to put the book down at that point. There were multiple points where I had to put the book down, but I kept wanting to pick it up again. But this has been like coming home for me. And I just want to read three stories. So we're just going to finish with some stories now from the book. This will give you a flavor of what these guys are about. I don't often do this, but honestly, please, 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 ask me for a copy. I've got a few, or buy it. Um, I I highly recommend it. Alrighty. Ray dropped a friend off at, at the airport and stopped in a department store on her way home. After picking up a couple of items, she went to the checkout. When she said good morning to the cashier, the girl commented on her accent. Ray told her she was from Brazil. See, we don't have too many folks from Brazil in Northern Ireland. The cashier was curious why Ray was in the area. So she told her, I'm part of this team that goes into schools. I'm connected with the vineyard church, and I'm here to, tell pe- here to tell people about Jesus. Do you know Jesus, she replied. She replied that she didn't, sorry. Ray began to tell her about Jesus and then asked, Can I pray for you? And the girl agreed. So Ray prayed for her, and she prayed prayed for her and and as she prayed the cashier began to weep and weep until eventually Ray asked would you like to know Jesus? The girl replied I'd love to. While a few people milled around at the shop Ray quietly prayed and the cashier opened her life to Jesus. Afterward the cashier said I'm sorry I'm really not in any fit state to process your order would you mind if I get one of my colleagues to come and do it instead? She called over a colleague who upon arrival asked the obvious question what happened? Ray told her about the previous conversation, including with the question, do you know Jesus? And the girl said, no, I don't. Ray said, well, I'd love to tell you who he is. She began to describe Jesus to her. Then she asked, would it be okay if I prayed for you? And the girl said, yes. As Ray began to pray, she had a picture of the cashier surrounded by all kinds of self-help books. She said, I see that you're reading a lot in self-help and you suffer from depression. But what you need to know is that Jesus doesn't want you to waste your money on these books anymore. He is the Prince of Peace, and he wants to come reveal himself to you, so you can save your money and get to know him. At this, the girl started weeping and weeping. Ray said, "I can't see. I can see you've really, you're really moved. Would you like to know Jesus?" And the girl said, "I really would." So Ray prayed for her, and she gave her life to Jesus too. Then the cashier said, "I'm not really in any fit state to process your order." <laughs> At this point, Ray said she felt both excited and embarrassed because she started to wonder what people around her must be thinking she was saying to upset all these cashiers. (laughs) Undeterred, where the cashier called over a third colleague, and the third colleague asked, what happened? Ray just felt excited and blurted out, you want to know what happened? Jesus happened. Do you know Jesus? And the girl said, no, I don't. She began to tell her about Jesus and asked, can I pray for you? The girl said, I'd love for you to pray for me. I think I'm going to lose my job. I've got a terrible back condition. I've been off work so many days recently. I have a meeting with my manager this afternoon, and I think they're going to fire me. Could you pray for that? Ray prayed for her, this time secretly asking, oh, Jesus, please don't let her cry. She (laughs) prayed for her to be healed and that Jesus would reveal his heart to her. Afterwards, the cashier tried moving her back. She was able to bend right over, and the pain was significantly improved. She gave her life to Jesus, too. Thankfully, this time she was able to scan Ray's items, process the order, and Ray was finally able to leave the store. (laughs) Next story. Tom came to faith a few years ago. He encountered the kingdom as God healed his body on the streets. It was enough to recalibrate his heart, and at the age of 81, Tom believed. A year later, Tom applied for our Encounter School of Mission. When I heard he had applied, I was surprised. This course is specifically designed to create a climate of risk. Upon reflection, I realized that although it was a little late for a gap year, Tom was perfectly positioned to live a life of risk. At his age, there there weren't many people who didn't know Tom in our town. He had already established a fine reputation. He had a lot to lose. Yet he embraced the risk, stepping into learning again. He started the course in September with one goal, to lead someone to Jesus. In February 2014, God granted Tom the desire of his heart. Within a year, Tom led 24 people to Jesus and also had the privilege of joining Jesus and leading his 79-year-old brother to life. After he finished the course, Tom continued to risk the impossible. Here is one of his authority adventures. We went to the train station this morning. There was a woman standing outside having a cigarette, so we asked her if there was anything we could pray for her. She said she had too many troubles to mention but would like prayer. After we prayed, I asked her what had happened during prayer. She said she experienced incredible peace and had never felt anything like it before. We then shared the kingdom message of Jesus, and she asked him into her life. Another girl was standing nearby, so we asked if there was anything for which she needed prayer. She said she had a very sore stomach. Again, we prayed, and the Holy Spirit came upon her in power and completely healed her. She said, I have no pain now at all. So we went next door to the market where we saw a woman using a Zimmer frame. As usual, we asked her if she needed prayer for anything. She said she was crippled with pain. So we prayed and God showed up and filled her. We shared the message of King Jesus with her and she asked him into her life. At 81 years old, we could have made Tom an usher in our services. But he was too busy ushering in the kingdom on our streets. Tom isn't just getting old. Tom is growing old. Tom discovered his authority and in the process found his own story late in the journey. Everyone is sent. Everyone has authority. You have authority. Here's one for the workplace I'll just finish on. This is a shorter one. One day my brother John was getting ready for work when he sensed the Holy Spirit speak to him about one of his colleagues. God showed him that her mother had recently been hospitalized due to arthritis. Upon arrival at work, John asked to speak privately with his colleague and explained what God had shown him earlier that morning. She confirmed what he had said was accurate and was responsive to prayer. Afterwards, she was so impacted that she told her workmates who eagerly asked John if God had spoken anything to him for them. He informed them them that as yet he had heard nothing, but would pray and share whatever he heard with them the next day. Anticipation filled the air as John returned to work the next day. Although none of his colleagues were believers, all of them were open to spiritual things, as John shared what he believed God had shown him. A stunned silence filled the office as his work colleagues realized God knew them. An office space became a holy place. This happened for the entire week. Each day, John declared in public what the Father had shown him privately. At the end of the week, Father God spoke to John about the colleague with whom he had developed the closest relationship He told him that the man and his partner were eager to have kids but had fertility problems. John wisely didn't want to share this in the office, so he invited his friend for lunch. Over lunch, he shared his insight, and as he did, the man began to cry. Even though John had worked closely with him for years, he had no idea he was infertile. Yet God knew. Now, it's awesome hearing other people's stories, isn't it? That's just incredible. I want my own stories, not just for pride, or not for pride at all. You know, it's, it's, that's obviously not the point. It's, I don't even want my own stories, really. I just, but you know, what my, you know what my heart is. I just, I want to live this out. I want to see that happen. So I started praying this prayer, and um, I'm at the mall. This guy, exactly how I'd seen, and I chickened out. I didn't approach him. It, I think he had, uh, it looked like he had a limp which had been there for a long, long time. It didn't look like a sports injury. My faith was here. His injury was here. His injury won. Or injury, I don't know, like whatever was causing the limp. I chickened out. However, at the eco drop a few days later, Tom and I were dropping, where's Tom gone? Yeah, we were dropping some stuff off. And um, this guy says, oh, what, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm a youth pastor at a local church. He says, oh, I was um, in rehab for ages. A um, load of Christians helped me. I, I struggled with the faith aspect, but yeah, it's been a huge journey for me. I'm like, awesome. We got chatting, and then I got to share my testimony. was not expecting that. And then um, Andrew and I have the same barber, as you can tell by our immaculately kept hair. And um, <laughs> we, we chat to our barber sometimes about, about God, and we ask him how he's going with that. We're not trying to hit him over the head with a Bible, but we, we care. And we've got that relationship, and we're looking to be intentional with that. We're looking to listen and care about not just um, what he's doing during his days and weeks and what he's thinking about the political landscape, but, but the state of his heart and where he's at with God. I've been able to share my faith with my parents and share the gospel in ways I've never done before in recent weeks. After the talk here on Islam a few weeks ago, I, I met up with uh, a friend here, and he's top kind top of lawyer in town. He's a very sharp cookie. And um, I thought about what he was going to ask me. But I I wanted to ask him about um, Ramadan and the Quran, And I had a load of questions prepared. And and I I didn't have things I wanted to just tell him. Um, But we had a talk for about an hour. And some of the things that I prepared for were brought up. And he was thinking. I got him thinking. Um, And I love that sort of stuff. I love the, the chat and I love the putting on the spot. So that was cool. And it's baby steps for me. And even then, after the, the last two weeks have just been so busy for me, and I, I've really acknowledged this at the beginning of this week. I'm like, man, like I've just, I've not been praying that prayer as much. So I started praying it again, and um, it's like I, I keep talking to people more on the streets than ever before, even if there's not a God chat. I was just on my prayer walk a couple of days ago, and this guy on the other side of the street, I saw him, and I knew there was going to be something that happened, and he says, oh, can you push, push me to the shops? Um, And I was like, cool. So that's all I did. I just pushed him to the shops in his wheelchair. Um, I didn't share my faith. I didn't pray for him, but it's baby steps. And I think as well with this, there's two things I just want to finish on, and then um, that'll be it from me, um, I think, in terms of the talk. One is I know that this is happening all over the place in church at the moment. I know there are heaps of moments. That's probably the best way of putting it. I know there are heaps of moments. I look out and I... I just see people, and I've spoken to you, and I know, and we hear about it each week at church. So this is, a, this is me humbly submitting my baby steps, acknowledging that there are others who are further down the line on it. There are others maybe who feel similar with the baby steps, and then there may be others who are like, man, I, I'd love to be more intentional in that area. So we're, we're journeying on this as a church, and that's not just some fluffy thing to say. It's true. It's true. We're journeying on it. Um, and so I just want to encourage. I want to blow on the fires. I want to stoke things up. I want to champion all that's already going on. And the last thing I'll probably say is stewardship is really big with this. I was at the supermarket the other day, and um, I bought three things in the, the trolley, and it wasn't toilet paper or anything. And um, <laughs> I just felt the Lord say, put one of those back. And I didn't. I just like brushed it aside. And even as I brushed it aside, I knew I was brushing it aside. And That's not cool, (laughs) but when we're trusted with a little, we're trusted with much. And I think if we're looking, how do we start? How do we start with stuff like that? I think the the small moments are really big, in a way. (laughs) And God's not there to whack me over the head with a stick um, when I don't do that. that. It's that relational thing. I said sorry to the Lord, knew I was forgiven, but I wanted to not miss that the next time. The kingdom of God comes as we go. Authority grows as we're on assignment. The kingdom of God comes as we go. God, please keep interrupting my day. And may those interruptions be increasingly welcomed by me. If the band would like to come up, that'd be awesome, please. Um, I'm aware I've chucked a lot at you. <laughs> And I think sometimes I think, oh, this is really simple. Is this even, like, I don't know, stimulating enough for for these guys? But I think that's the challenge of when you've journeyed with something for so long, you kind of, like, get used to it. Um, But I'd love us to just wait on the Lord for a moment, Um, just in quiet, and it's just a chance for each of us individually to just know that we are loved by him, knowing that we can participate in his mission, just... I don't know, whatever's stirred up for you, it's a chance to to do business with the Lord. So we'll just wait on him for a moment and then the band will kick in. Maybe some of you know that you're the focus of our mission. You're the focus of the greatest rescue mission. If you'd like to respond to God's love for you, we'd love to talk with you. We'd love to listen. There's nothing stopping you doing business with God right now where you're sat as well. Maybe some of you are feeling that... um, tug around putting things down and picking things up, the precision in following Jesus relationally. Maybe you're fed up with being weary and tired in ways which you know is just something not right here. We know that sometimes the life can get um, tough and it's, it's different to that. You know this is more of a striving thing. Some of you maybe, uh, I hope all of us have been stirred on this, stirred in in seeing our lives interrupted like Philip's was by the good God that we follow. Lord, we just open ourselves up to you. Even if we feel like all we can do is baby steps, And Lord, I ask that you would brush off guilt right now. I ask that you would make this a condemnation free zone. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you bring your freedom. You would bring your excitement. For those who need refreshment, would you please refresh them? For those who are just champing at the bit and thinking, well, where do I start? Where do I start? Lord, I bless that relational journey with you. For those who are already doing this, I bless them, Lord. For those where this is not um, out of the blue, this is a continuation of what you've already been talking to them about, Lord. I, I thank you for that. And ultimately, Lord, we just want to run with whatever you put on our hearts. Let's stand and worship.